Orale, bienvenidos and welcome to the Familia FFB podcast. Hey, we are 32 for 32. Back in June, we started this insider series, and uh, it I really, I got to tell you, as our guest, as I was telling him right before, I thought I'd be done with this in a month, month and a half, but it's taken uh, almost three months to do it. But hey, you know what? We are here, and our closer for the for this series uh i'm not gonna play under the sandman because that's yankees and uh you know the there, there's a little bit of a rivalry between uh the the north in the northeast and and new york city but uh joining us today ian glendon of full press coverage he is the editor-in-chief he is the site owner he also has within their full press patriots so it's one of, one of his favorite shows uh ian i'm so glad you joined us i'm so glad you get to help us close out this incredible series uh, bienvenido thank you for joining us thank you for doing uh, this thank you for having me and uh thank you for having the foresight not to play as much as i love that song i i, I don't want to be affiliated with the only yankee that i actually don't mind but still, it would, it, would, it would hurt to come out to that. <laughs> oh, I got to tell you. Well, I'll tell, uh, I, I, I have to tell you later on after after the show, I'll tell, if you got any questions about Nomar Garcia Parra, I've got, uh, I, I got, I got to know him a little bit in my Dodger days. Uh, but just a preview, absolutely fantastic guy. Just absolutely peach of a person. Yeah, I, I had a number of his jerseys when I was a kid. So he, I was a big fan. <laughs> oh, number five, number five. And he got to wear number five at the Dodgers. So uh, it was it was awesome. Uh, so, you know, we're we're talking about the Patriots here and uh, they were one of the most intriguing stories of all training camp. And it just so happened that it worked out that we're doing this interview now because uh, I think we, we talked about this over a week ago, this would have been a much in different interview uh, a week ago than it is today. It is the Mac Jones era. And uh, there, there was, there was the, Surprising cut on on two, this past Tuesday. We're recording this on Friday morning, uh, in early September, uh, the third. We're, I mean, first off, how surprised were you at at the Cam Newton cut? And then number two, uh, what is kind of like the the outlook for Mac Jones, his strengths, what what they're kind of leaning into, and what they saw that that they're that's coming up for this season. Well, I, I think initially I was shocked because, you know, if we would have done this interview last week, I would have probably said that Cam was going to be the starter. So fortunately we didn't because, well, it would have made me look uh, wrong, uh, in which case I would have been. But, you know, thinking, having a moment to think about it and realizing, you know, that, you know, Mac had a really strong preseason. Uh, it doesn't mean Cam played poorly. I thought he Cam was actually going to have a far better season this year. But I think it came down to this. It's once you go to Mac, you're not going to go back to Cam. The the situation that Cam is in, you know, his status as a former first overall pick, and, and that's not the only reason. Um, but his his age, the fact that, you know, he's not going to get a chance to really play whether Mac plays well or not here. So, like, if they put Mac Jones in and he struggles for a couple of weeks, Bill Belichick's not going to pull the plug just like that and start going back and forth between quarterbacks because you risk losing – Mac Jones, not just for this year, but beyond. So once that decision was made, it didn't make sense to have Cam on the roster. And I, I think in a, a, a bit of a show of respect or show of gratitude, um, Bill probably, Bill Belichick probably brought this up to him, said, hey, look, you know, we're going to end up going with the kid. We can release you, gives him an opportunity to go play elsewhere. And and I think that was really um 
the reason why, I mean, I know some people, and we, we talked about this a little bit before we got on, some people suggested it was uh, the COVID vaccination. I, that's not the case. I mean, again, this was just a, a situation where Mac Jones really, I don't want to say exceeded expectations, but he he put a lot of good stuff on film. And what was happening in training camp, what he was doing in training camp, translated on the field, which is, which is a very important thing. Because, you know, you can do one thing in training camp and practice situations, but, you know, once you get into game situations, if you start to struggle, yeah, you know, you need a little bit more work. But the positives were Mac, his poise, his quick decision making, you know, his just uh, a quick release. All that was on display during the three preseason games. And, uh, you know, by all accounts, he was one of the better, if not the best rookie signal caller of the group through those three games. So Bill made a decision and it's like you said, it's the Mac Jones era, whether, uh, you know, cam fans like it or not, or, you know, who are, you know, Patriots fans, whoever it's, it's, it's the kid's turn to go and it's going to have a, every opportunity to do so and to succeed. How much, you know, the, I think one of the deceiving parts of, uh, deceiving thoughts about the, the Patriots is that they're, you know, is that they were for this season that they were going to run, 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 run. How do you see the uh, kind of like the the differential between the run and the pass, and uh, how much? Where do you see uh, Mac Jones' strengths in when it comes to the passing game? Well, uh, I already mentioned a little bit his poise and his uh, quick release. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that you know anyone who watched Tom Brady for years, and now I'll say it right now: I'm not comparing Mac to Tom. <laughs> there, there's no, there's no other Tom Brady, and I'm, I'm willing to bet that that's going to be the case for quite some time. Um, but he does share a lot of the same qualities and, and style uh, when it comes to okay, he's here's a guy that's obviously not <laughs> he's not the most fleet of foot, uh, which we know that isn't necessarily the most important thing as a quarterback, but he seems to control the offense in the tempo like a veteran and not a rookie. And I think that's the most uh, noticeable thing from Mac and from how the players speak about him, because, you know, yeah, I think if you have Cam Newton in uh, wh whether or not he can throw the ball well or not, doesn't matter. It's it's, I mean, it does matter, but when it comes to running, He's such a dynamic runner. We saw it even as the Patriots struggled last year, how good he was in the run game and what he brought to this Patriots run game. I mean, he set records for quarterback, obviously. Um, but it, it it just it was it was more his style of play and his advantage that that would dictate that, you know, maybe the Patriots ran the ball a little bit more with Mac you know, you want him making decisions. And, you know, if you think he's the guy who's going to be the guy for 10 plus years, you want to make sure that he's learning how to make those decisions early on. So I think you're going to see a nice mix of everything. Um, fortunately for Mac Jones, he's in a lot better situation than Cam Newton was a year ago because the Patriots, obviously they've upgraded their wide receivers. They've added the two tight ends, but they might have the best collection of running backs in the entire league. Not the best like individually but as a as a whole as an entire unit i think they might have the best group and that's going to help mac tremendously because they can all do something a little bit differently and that's going to be fits for def defensive coordinators to try to figure out well let's get back let's get into those running backs mm -hmm. uh you know we we talked about you mentioned it that you know damian harris looking like the the 
presumptive lead lead ball carrier, but Ramondre Stevenson obviously looked great in preseason. James White has an incredible history with the with with uh, as a pass catcher, and JJ Taylor really showed out. Can you kind of break down how the touches are gonna uh, be split up between these guys? Uh, the only thing I can probably say for certain is you're right. Damian Harris is going to be the quote unquote lead back, but for anyone who's ever played fantasy football for the last 15 to 20 years, there's nothing more maddening than trying to figure out what the Patriots are going to do with their running backs. And, and, you know, look, that's, that's a great thing for, for them because it keeps defensive coordinators guessing too. And I think that's what you're going to see a lot of this year. So, you know, like I mentioned, all these guys, can do something a little bit different really well. So, you know, James White is that that wise veteran. You know, you know he's going to catch 95% of the things that are thrown to him, probably 99% of the things that are thrown to him. But it doesn't mean he can't run and do all the smart things that a, a veteran does. Damian Harris is just your, you know, typical, you know, big horse of a, of a running back who can run, who can catch, you know, that type of thing. And then you have a guy like Stevenson who – looks like the second coming of LeGarrette Blunt, And yeah, I mean, LeGarrette Blunt didn't have that long of a career, but when he was really good with the Patriots, I mean, he was really, really good. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting how they deploy uh, these players and and what packages, because again, you preseason is one thing you're not, you're getting such a bare bones view of what the offense is going to be that, I think we're going to really learn a lot this this first week and see how these touches are distributed. But that's not a certainty, though, because they could go, you know, Damian Harris every week one. And then all of a sudden it's J.J. Taylor and Ramondre Stevenson or or maybe it's a big James White, you know, against the Buccaneers type game where it's like, OK, Tom Brady's probably going to come in and put up some points. You're going to have to keep up. Well, that that means you're going to have more uh, pass catching running back plays uh, designed. So uh, it's going to be fun uh, as a fan and as someone who watches this team to see all these talented running backs get different opportunities to do different things. Um, but but that also means the only certainty we know is that Damian Harris right now is the starting running back. And, and by all accounts, he's he's done everything. He's he's hit every marker in the progression chart, you know, the theoretical progression chart for a running back that he can. So he earned this spot. Obviously, Sony Michelle getting traded really, uh, you know, solidified that. But um, yeah, it's it's honestly it's just it's fun to watch. That's why covering this team is never uh, a dull moment because you know again it's never the same thing every week. It is incredible, and you know what's funny? I I almost feel like the forty uh, the 49ers, the Patriots, uh, and and to a, a, a certain extent, the 49ers are have kind of almost become the blueprint for so many other teams mm-hmm. uh, to not have the traditional, you know, one guy, you know, a Derrick Henry type who's the guy you give the ball ninety percent of the time time to. It's you know, it's kind of splitting everything up, trying to keep guys healthy. Uh, I think. It, it's it's really interesting how many teams are doing this more. The the Buccaneers are another team. The Browns seem to be taking it to a new level. But so many teams are just going away from relying on that one running back. And it's uh, I do kind of you know as you said it's it's maddening. But I kind of feel like it. A lot of this the genesis came from the Patriots. Yeah, and and look, part of it was out of necessity. You know, you have a team or in the early two thousands where you know the running game was still a pretty prominent part of the of the whole nfl i mean it's it's certainly shifted away from those one back teams to now a lot of teams like you said have 
multi-use running backs. Um, you know, early on in the Patriots dynasty, it was, you know, Antoine Smith for a couple of years. They had Corey Dillon running the rock. But then, you know, the rule changes started to really make an impact on offense where, you know, <clears throat> things were much more open. All of a sudden, you were looking at uh, situations that weren't necessarily there before, i.e. maybe running backs in the, uh, you know, being able to get a little bit smaller because they didn't have to be big enough and rely, you know, on, you know, no more fullback, no more big running back to add extra protection. Like there was enough protection. The offenses were opening up all of a sudden you're finding guys like the, the CJ spillers of the world and all those like little scat running backs all of a sudden were making a big impact because they could catch the ball in open field. Well, once you get the ball in open field, if you're a linebacker, <laughs> it's pretty tough to chase down a pretty fast running back. I mean, just it's, it's physics, it's size first agility, all that stuff. So, you know, I think you saw, you started to see that evolution when, I mean, the quarterback's always been the most important position, but over the last 15 years, we've just seen such a, a drastic shift to, to rules that just benefit the offenses that have really, you know, gotten us to the point where, you know, in 1999, the average passer rating was 78. Whereas in 2018, it was 95, which, you know, again, it's that's a that's a pretty dramatic jump. And for for a stat that is just, I mean, pretty bare bones just for passing. But it also speaks to how different players are being used. So now you're not throwing. No, now you're not running the ball 25, 30 times. Maybe you're running it 15 to 20 and then using the running backs as as pass catchers for another 10. You know, so the the dis distribution is starting to uh, – you're seeing that a lot more across teams. I think Derrick Henry is more of a unicorn now than, a you know, something of a norm, which 15, 20 years ago he would have been the norm because you got him, say guys like Sean Alexander, you know, Adrian Peterson came around, in, you know, in the early 2000s or mid-2000s and so on and so forth. But uh, that that's, that's a dying breed in that type of uh, position. And, and the way that things going now, there's no way that they're going to go back to a one-back system. It's just – too many athletes, too many uh, different ways of running offense, and uh, you're going to need everyone you got. Yeah, and it, it, I know it becomes more cost effective to do it that way too. Just paying oh, four guys, you know, three, four guys a little, and instead of one guy a lot. Um, Real quick, and that that you know probably played into part of you know how the Patriots uh, you know acted because I mean that's 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 what they always went for across the board. Anyways, was where can we distribute? you know, how much value can we get instead of paying one guy, you know, X amount of dollars, we're going to pay three or four guys that are going to do similar things and try to fill that gap. And the same thing with running backs, wide receivers, um, defensive players, cornerbacks, especially during a nice stretch of 10 years where they didn't, you know, win a, a Super Bowl or whatever. But um, that's just how the, that's the philosophy that Bill Belichick has always had. And I think we've seen that play out a little bit here as well. Somewhat, but although a little little differently because they did spend some money this off season. <laughs> um, well, before we get into the where the money where significant money was spent, let's start with the wide receivers. And uh, you know, we got the free agent uh, coming in, Nelson Aguilar, who had kind of like a resurgent season with the Raiders last year. You also had Jacoby Myers, who had who flashed a few times, even though that that uh, last year, because uh, even though the team was fairly run oriented. You know, now that there's more of a traditional pocket passer in there, what kind of how do the targets look like they're going to be split between the two of them? Um, well, Jacoby Myers is a guy I, you know, I, I talk about Damian Harris kind of hitting all those check marks when it comes to progression or whatever. Um, Jacoby Myers has been that guy, too. He was a 
you know, during that 2019 season, Tom Brady's last in New England, it was it was a tough it was a tough go of things, especially towards the second half of the season where um, the team obviously lost several players. I mean, at one point, there's a photo of Tom Brady sitting on the bench with Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon and Julian Edelman. And at one point in that season, none of them were left on the field because, well, Edelman got hurt and then Gordon and Brown uh, obviously didn't make it. I mean, Brown didn't make it past that, that one game. So uh, towards the end of the year, it was Nikhil Harry, a rookie who, you know, came in off the pup list and Jacoby Myers. And at one point it was just two of them uh, carrying the load for wide receivers. And you saw flashes of just playmaking ability, smart running, smart route running, uh, great hands, and just an, just an instinct, something that not every receiver has. Like a lot of receivers, especially coming out of college into the pros, they're relying a lot on athleticism and they're just their God-given talent. Well, when you get to the NFL, you have to refine that talent. You got to make sure that you're smarter than the guy you're going up against. How are you going to get around him? It's not just speed. It's not just, you know, whatever. And, and Jacoby Myers seems to have gotten that. So he seems to understand the game. He knows how to, you know, read players to, you know, to a certain level that he's, you know, only three years in the league. But I see a lot of good things for him in this offense. And part of that, too, is the addition of Nelson Aguilar. Um, Aguilar's uh, uh, deep threat ability uh, should open this offense up quite a bit. I mean, you know, his average, I think, was 18. Oof, off the top of my head, I think it was 18.7, his yards per catch last year, somewhere in that range, which was, I mean, the Patriots haven't had a guy like that in three or four years since Brandon Cook, Cooks um, was, was, you know, averaging right around there. And I don't even think it was that high. So the Patriots have really lacked that type of player in this offense. Now, is it necessary to win? No, but, you know, when, when you have a team that, well, you having a rookie quarterback, you want to give him options at every level. That means Nelson Aguilar. That means Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne. And it means the two tight ends, which, I mean, the five of those players just in general, and we're not even talking about the running backs, pretty much cover the entire depth of the field for Mac Jones. So he's going to have options at every level, assuming they all stay healthy. How about the tight ends? So you, you touched on the tight ends a couple of times. Johnny Smith uh, coming over from Tennessee, Hunter Henry coming over from the, the Chargers. Both are pretty well, well known as, you know, above, well above average pass catchers at a position where it's tough to get uh, good ball players. They're also well known as good run blockers. So uh, is, you know, it, I think it's too much to expect that they're going to, that I know people started to talk about, you know, when Gronk and Aaron Hernandez that time, I think this, this is that, that that's way too high of expectations, but where do the t these two kind of appear on the pecking order for targets when it comes to the, the Patriots? They're going to, they're going to be high because uh, you know, the Patriots, you, you know, you talk about, you know, we talk about the 49ers and the Patriots kind of being trendsetters. Well, the Patriots were the two tight end formation trendsetters a long time ago. Um, you know, they tried doing this to some extent with guys like Daniel Graham and Christian Fourier early in the uh, dynasty. Uh, you saw them essentially during the last couple Super Bowls. And then obviously you mentioned, <clears throat> excuse me, Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. And unfortunately for those two, well, Gronk couldn't stay healthy. And, you know, we obviously all know what happened with Aaron Hernandez. But even from that point on, you, you saw guys like Scott Chandler come in to try to, you know, give them a two tight end set. And then it was, you know, Martellus Bennett. And again, unfortunately, health prevented those two from being on the field at the same time. But, you know, 
two tight ends and in that position in general is such a is is of such a importance to Bill Belichick and the teams that he puts together. And I think they've gotten two. They have two of the very best. You know, is it Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski? No, but you know, Jonu Smith. And we saw this in the very first preseason game. That guy can run for for a big tight end like he is. You give him the ball in open field, man. He is he is going to get you some serious yards after the catch, and and that's that's something that the Patriots' offense has sorely missed. I mean, I think a year ago they had uh, maybe twenty seven total receptions from the tight end position, which is absurdly low. I mean, they they barely broke three hundred yards. Uh, so I expect both of them to have you know again, assuming health. Um, I expect both of them to have really big seasons and be like a huge focal point of the offense to the point where maybe, you know, at the end of the year, we're looking at this and saying, well, you know, it's, it's maybe it's a uh, uh, Jacoby Myers and then your next two best receivers are the two tight ends. And that would not shock me at all because, well, what's easier than going to a big tight end up the middle? Nothing really. I mean, maybe thrown to the running back, but you know, you you can create a lot of mismatches with talented tight ends to the point where it's going to make life a lot easier uh, for Mac Jones. So, uh, one receiver that I didn't touch on earlier was Nikhil Harry starting the year on the pup list. Um, obviously this is a guy with first round pedigree. He's, uh, someone who had high expectations and hasn't lived up to them to this point, uh, starting the year on injured. I, I mean, how much concern is it that, uh, that, that great expectation was just too high and maybe it's not going to happen for him in new England. Uh, I mean, there's certainly some concern. I mean, obviously he, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, he requested a trade early in the off season. Uh, Belichick didn't comply and, you know, things seemed to settle down and he was actually having a pretty solid camp. Now we've said this about Nikhil Harry before where he's, he's played well in practice and, you know, it just hasn't translated to in-game uh, ability, but um, you know, this is just another setback because now he's, you know, at least he's going to miss at least the first six weeks um by that time i mean who knows how whether the opportunity is going to be there or not for him once he gets back because you know if those three top three receivers the the kendrick Bourne, uh jacoby myers and and of course nelson Aguilar, you know if they're playing well well guess what they're going to get the majority of the snaps and then all of a sudden you got the tight ends and the running back so you know where's Nikhil harry going to fit in well he's going to get a handful of snaps here and there and and in his case he'll have to make the most of every single one of them and you know can he do that? I got to lean towards probably not. I mean, I just haven't seen the consistency uh, at least enough to sit there and say for sure he's going to turn it around this year. I mean, he still has to prove it on the field. Uh, he can do whatever he wants in preseason and whatever he wants uh, during training camp and practices. But until he does it on the field regularly and consistently, it, it's going to be tough to count on him. And I think, you know, for him, this is this is it for the Patriots. I don't think he'll be here next year if he doesn't make an impact when he returns. Uh, let's get in the offensive line. I always love to ask a question because the you know the those big guys at the front uh, really make football mm-hmm. happen. Uh, the the Patriots are going in with a very strong unit, uh, mm-hmm. rated number three by Pro Football Focus going into the season. Uh, you know what is. Uh, a, through injuries and everything through the the preseason, is this still looking like one of the strengths of the team? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, they, they were able to obviously bring back a guy like Trent Brown, who, 
you know, had a little brief stint over in uh, Oakland slash Las Vegas. I actually, no, I think it was strictly just lost. I, I can't remember if he came over <laughs> right before they moved over, you know, the last couple of years, the timing of everything is a little bit of a blur, but um, you know, adding Trent Brown, who's just a, a just a beast of a human being uh, back to this unit, having guys like David Andrews in there, this is always going to be a strength of the Patriots. Um, even, even when, they didn't have the most talent. They were able to play well. Now, a lot of that has to do with the quarterback. I mean, for years they were playing behind Tom, or in front of Tom Brady, who makes life for an offensive lineman a whole hell of a lot easier than, say, a guy, uh, I don't know, someone who's not as good as Tom Brady. Let's say I don't want I don't want to get into uh, if I if I said uh, Patrick Mahomes, that might ruffle some feathers. But <laughs> the point is, uh, you know, there's a lot that the quarterback can do to help their offensive line. And going back to some of the uh, qualities that we talked about with Mac Jones, he shares a lot of those same qualities. So quick release, quick decision-making that obviously the less time an offensive lineman has to engage in either pass or, or run blocking, the better, because you would assume, you know, once that's over, their job's done because the ball's out and that's what it is. Uh, but it helps that they have a lot of talent and some pretty good depth on that line as well. And like I said, it starts with center David Andrews. Um, they lost Joe Tooney in the off season, which, you know, that that can't go understated because the guy, you know, <laughs> didn't miss a snap for the team for five years. Uh, but when it comes down to it, these, this is a good group to protect Mac Jones. Um, and, and and does it have some some flaws? Yeah, sure. Does Isaiah win? You know, does he have a good season? Who knows? I mean, he's he's shown a lot of promise for being a first round draft pick. And I, I would hope that, again, this next season is going to um really have him blossom into an elite elite pass blocker but um i, I think they're going to get a lot of help from the quarterback and the running backs in particular because there's going to be a lot of opportunity to get rid of the ball quickly and when they don't they have the talent and the size and the ability to kind of hopefully keep mac jones upright we don't want to start seeing him turn into drew bletso um and get stationary in the pocket and just take a lot of sacks we don't we don't want that no well uh, let's go to the other side of the ball. Uh, I always love to ask the question about about the defense. Last year, the the Patriots are kind of a little more uh, giving when it came to the running game. Uh, where and I know there was some investment on that side of the ball. Uh, where does that unit kind of stand against the run, against the pass, and kind of how much does Stephon Gilmore starting the year on the pup list kind of uh, really hurt them? Uh, it, it's definitely going to hurt them, especially because they again they. They have to play the box in week four. And that is going to be a game that, you know, I just <laughs> Mac is probably going to have to play the game of his life. And it might not even matter uh, because I think the Buccaneers are that good. But uh, it, missing Stefan Gilmore is going to hurt because this secondary unit is good. JC Jackson is good. I mean, there's a lot of talent in this unit. But without Stefan Gilmore, you go from elite, elite unit to a pretty good one. And one that is susceptible to to maybe keep being, you know, beat up a little bit. But on the flip side, the good thing for them is their front seven is is night and day from what it was a year ago. I mean, adding a guy like Matthew Judon, who who just looks like a just an a absolute perfect fit for this team. Not only his you know mentality off the field, but the way he plays on the field. Um, you know, Chase Winovich coming back healthier now and, and going into a third year, watching him, him develop Dante Hightower being back in the mix after missing a year, bringing back guys like Lawrence guy and, and 
signing Devin Godchow and all that, all of a sudden you have a defensive front seven that's that's really deep and really talented. And you're going to see them um, – I, I think you're really going to see them carry the load, especially early on in the season, because I think you're going to see them try to make up for maybe a, a – you know, taking a step back in the secondary, which has been the Patriots' strength really for the last four or five years, is that secondary. So I, I think we've seen a shift a little bit, but that's really mainly because of Stefan Gilmore being out, um, you know, for, you know, at least six weeks or however long it ultimately ends up being. But uh, at the end of the day, I think this defensive unit, especially early on, is going to be tough to run against. But if you get enough time, you're probably going to be able to pass on this team. And uh, until Stefan Gilmore gets back, I it's going to be tough for me to sit there and say they're going to be a lockdown unit in the secondary. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, that, oh, Ian. I can't, I, I can't tell you. Thank you. I mean, we finished strong. We definitely finished strong in this, uh, in this great series. And so uh, I'm also asking to finish strong with the, my, uh, what's always been the consistently been one of the favorite questions mm-hmm. that's asked. Uh, yeah. This being a Latino focused podcast, uh, my, my family, my heritage being Mexican and Mexican food being such a big part of the, of uh, our, our culture favorite Mexican food, but also specifically, what are some of your favorite taco types? Well, I'm, I'm a soft taco type of guy because I love burritos. I love, I love, I, I, I just, I feel like you, you actually appreciate the, the innards of it more. Plus you're always rolling the dice with a hard, hard shell. You know, sometimes it's stale. Sometimes it's just not quite the, uh, the, the corn flavor that you want. Maybe it's, you know, again, it's a poor brand. You don't want to mix that up. Get you a nice, get yourself a nice, homemade tortilla fresh out of the oven you know you got it's 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 not thick it's not that store-bought white flour junk you know where you get it and you you know it's like a quarter inch thick and you can taste the flour i'm talking like that like that very strong really just quality tortilla some great rice some great bean it's all you really need you don't have to do it too much you know add a little bit of meat to it some hot sauce very key Hotter the better, by the way. Oh, uh, yes. That's um, that that's how I do it. And then again, if you have uh, like I said, the rice is a big thing for me. I like rice. I like beef. I do like chicken too. Like get, get some shredded, marinated chicken with some spices and stuff in there. See, I, I'm about to go get something to eat right now. It's almost lunchtime. <laughs> you know, actually, it doesn't matter what time it is right now. I, I I would I would go and eat something right now after this conversation. <laughs> Oh man, uh, well it's a little bit earlier for me out, out on the West Coast, but uh, yeah, I'm already I'm already thinking about lunch myself. So, uh, Ian, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Un millón de gracias. Esto fue un gran placer. This was fantastic. Uh, I just want to make sure. I know you got a lot of stuff that you, uh, that you're putting out. Please feel free to let uh, our familiar community know where you where they can find all your great work. Well, most most importantly, and I'll keep it brief, uh, head over to fullpresscoverage.com because not only, obviously, can you get great Patriot stuff, but uh, there's a lot of really hardworking people over there, and uh, their work is worth uh, reading, so I would definitely check that out. And if you want to give me a follow on Twitter, I I talk a lot of quarterbacks, so if if you like that, you you can definitely uh, tune in. It's at IGLEN31. Oh man. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Give him a follow. He's uh, yeah. Hey, you know what, who's more important than the quarterback on the, when it comes to the NFL. So that's what I'm trying to tell people. That's all, you know, 
Gotta <laughs> love it. And, and we're going to see it this year with the Patriots. Uh, man, I, I think we, I think when it comes to Mac Jones, it's going to be, uh, maybe he's not going to be a starter for a, on a fantasy team, but I think he, especially the teams that have two quarterbacks, I think by the end of the, by probably the middle of the season, he's going to work his way into a starting gig uh, right. as the second quarterback on a team. But uh, Familia, eso es todo for our show. And eso es todo for our insider series. We went 32 for 32 and we got, we beat the deadline of by a week of the season, almost a week, six days. Uh, so muchas gracias everybody for joining us. Uh, please uh, also muchas gracias to Anchor and who put our audio podcast out on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Also thanks to YouTube for bringing our faces and putting our faces out there. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you get, uh, wherever you get us on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you give us a review or give us a like, Hey, we would be, we would say muchas gracias. Uh, also, you can find original content at familiaffb.com and you can find me, Jorge Martin17, on Twitter and also on Twitter and Instagram. You can find our at Familia FFP page. Uh, otra vez. Uh, also, today we're on Facebook Live. So uh, please give us a like there. Uh, otra vez, Ian, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Muchas gracias. And everybody, remember, have a happy and safe Labor Day weekend. And always, and make sure you're kicking butt on your drafts because we know that so many of our drafts are happening this this weekend. And always remember, todos somos familia. Salud. <laughs>